0: Take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. All right. When darkness knocks on your door, we're going to do sword fighting 101 tonight. Sword fighting 101, it's about spiritual warfare. Every believer needs to know this so you don't get your brains beat out. Every believer that knows it needs to review it regularly to protect you. Uh, tell you what I'd do if I was you, and you wanted to enjoy your life. I'd buy Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind, and I'd read it about every six months. I read it regular, renew it. It's just one of the best manuals ever written on that. And we're going to talk about this night. I hope it's not. Surely this is not new to you, if you've been saved more than about thirty minutes. And uh, we're going to look at spiritual warfare tonight. When darkness knocks on your door, Ephesians chapter six. Let's do a little foundational work here. <clears throat> I have to be reminded of this. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. The Bible says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, Some other versions, your version might say redneck up. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the. Some Bibles say wiles, some say tactics, some say schemes of the devil. You believe that? Do you believe that there is an enemy who is scheming against you? Ephesians six twelve. Fix and read verse twelve. Probably the most unbelieved verse in the Bible, as far as I am concerned. Everybody can quote it, but everybody forgets it as soon as you get out of church. Ephesians six twelve says this: We do not wrestle or struggle against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? It's people. Our battle is not against people, but it's against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual. If your Bible says host rewrite, say beings, spiritual beings in the heavenly uh, places and heavenly places does not mean where God is. There's three heavens in the Bible. And this heavenly places is the word that means the atmosphere around your head. It just simply means the spirit realm around you. Did the Bible just say in Ephesians 6:12 that we struggle with dark beings in the atmosphere around our head? you saw it right there. And the Bible tells us we need to do this. Therefore, what's verse 13 mean? Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, read the verse above and see what it's there for. Therefore, take up the armor of God. So he tells you this, there's a struggle. You can't see it. Can't hear it with this ear, but how about we just take God's word for it. There's a struggle going on and I'm going to cut to the chase. The battle is in the mind. It is the battle for the mind. And it's it's your mind and your spirit. That's where the battle takes place. He said, therefore, take up the armor. And he mentions several. He mentions truth. He mentions faith. He mentions peace. We're going to look at one tonight. In verse 17, the Bible says this, take the helmet of salvation and the sword, the sword of the spirit. Somebody tell me what the sword of the spirit is, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, what did it say? Did it say, take the Xanax of the spirit? Did it say take the sedative of the spirit? Did it say take the bunker of the spirit? No, we're not going to hide from anything. What does what the spirit of God want to hand you? Sword. So, all I've right, got a sword. All right, now we're going, we've got to go deep right off the bat here. Tell me what you do with a sword. I mean, is that for decoration? Is it for, you whoop somebody with it. it it's, it's, a, it's a war weapon. You fight with the thing. What does the Holy Spirit give you? It gives you a weapon gives you a sword. Now, in that vernacular, it would have been a sword. Today, it'd be a uh, Smith and Wesson. Yeah, but, but it's some kind of whatever. It is a weapon you use. And obviously, we're not talking about physical defense. But he called, what did he call the Word of God? He called it a weapon. And he said, and what did he say? You better pick it up. Why does he, what's he leading me into? Is the Spirit leading me into a battle? I'm, I'm, we're already in that, Doc. The Spirit should lead you into victory. He don't lead you into battle. That's all, it's air. You already saw in verse 12, that's there already. All right, here's the deal. Let's do sword fighting 101. Tell me what the sword of the Spirit is. It is the Word of God. Listen, Please listen to what I'm fixing to say. It is not worship music. You can enjoy worship music, get your brains beat out. It is not talking to a friend. It is not being tough. That's not the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is one thing it is the Word of God. That's it. That's all it is. And you take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is your only long-term defense. All right. Let's do this. I want you to look at a revelation of what is happening in the spirit realm around your head. Let's look at a revelation of reality and let's watch Jesus do sword fighting 101. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4 and Jesus is going to show you how to do this and then guess what Jesus is going to do after he shows you. He's going to hand you the sword and say, have at it. Luke chapter 4. This is one of the most uh, blessed, set you free, had no idea somebody was messing with me passages in all the Bible. Luke chapter four is a wonderful passage. If you recognize it, you remember this is the temptation of Jesus. And in Luke chapter four, I want us to read this. This is, this is sword fighting 101 right here. And it's a revelation of the reality into the spirit realm and what goes on. I'm going to show you how it works in minute. Luke chapter four, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan was led by the spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now listen, Jesus didn't have three temptations. He had 40 days of temptations and then three more after that. So he's being tempted. <clears throat> he ate nothing and he was hungry. Verse 3, the devil said to him. You believe Satan can speak? Can you read it right there? The devil spoke to him and he said, If you are the son of God, command that stone to become bread. How many of you think the devil didn't know whether Jesus was the son of God or not? Caught him lying again, didn't we? He's always going to be tempting you to do something to prove that you're a child of God too. And he's going to be pestering you. Now I want to ask you, here's where we got to learn for us right here. You think Jesus saw the devil? You think he heard him with this ear? Keep your finger here and turn to Hebrews 4. Let me show you what happened to him. Hebrews chapter four, what an encouraging passage this is here. This is where we find out that Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And when I struggle, he feels it. He's not against me. He's for me here. Hebrews chapter four, but I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter four about how you're tempted and how we're tempted. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 or or assaulted and listen, by tempted, when, when you talk about temptation, People think of sexual lust or stealing or something. The temptation to be scared is just as bad. The temptation to be worried is just as powerful. Matter of fact, it's more powerful. The temptation to be discouraged, is is, that's his number one. That's his big one. Let's watch how it happens. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest... who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Do you keep hearing redneck in here? You You keep hearing, I ain't turning this. That's what he said. Hang on. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Praise God. You got a double negative, do not, cannot, so they cancel each other out. Jesus is sympathetic when you struggle. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Watch this. But was in all points tempted. You believe Jesus has been tempted? Do you really think it goes that far right there? You really think he was tempted in all points? What's the next three words? As we are. Jesus was tempted as we are. Turn back Luke 4. How are you tempted? How how does this garbage come to you? Do do you see a guy with a a hideous beast? Does he walk up to you and talk to you? Uh Uh-uh. You know how I'm tempted? It comes as a thought in my mind, an idea in my mind, or an impression on my spirit. That's how I get tempted. I've never seen the devil. You say, how do you know he's real? (laughs) Follow me for a day. I've never seen him. I've never heard him with this ear. But that rascal dogs me day and night. I am tempted by thoughts in my mind, ideas that come into my mind. As uh, Acts chapter 5 says, Ananias, why did you let Satan put it in your mind to lie to the Holy Spirit? Ananias was a spirit-filled believer. Do you believe Satan can put things into the mind of a believer? And asked, why'd you let Satan put it in your mind to lie to the Holy Spirit? This, we're tempted in our minds. He's able to put thoughts and ideas in our minds and impressions on our spirit. The Bible calls it, for instance, Isaiah 61, a spirit of heaviness. You ever felt like it's just a lead blanket laying on you of discouragement and heaviness? Welcome to the man. All right, uh, listen, Jesus was tempted. The Bible said in Hebrews 4, he was tempted as we are I think he was tempted just like we are so he could use the sword just like we're supposed to use it. Jesus really didn't need to go through this. They no tug of war between Jesus and the Almighty One. I mean, Jesus and the devil. The Almighty One don't have much trouble with on head. All he'd have to do is just say, banish. He did this for me and you. So the Bible said that he came. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4, verse 3. The devil spoke to Jesus. Actually, I believe he put his thought in his mind. If you're the son of God, do this, tempted him. Jesus answered him saying, what's the three words? It is written. One Greek word, grapti. We get our word graphite from it, writing with. What did Jesus say? When Jesus is tempted, did Jesus call his friends? Did Jesus put on music? I'm not against music. I love it. Did Jesus try to figure this thing out? What did he do? He reached into his memory and he pulled out the word of God and he said, it is written. What is the sword of the spirit? that you fight with, is the word of God. And Jesus simply spoke, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did Jesus do this? He just reached into his memory, pulled out God's word and spoke it. There it is. And he consumed him with the breath of his mouth. Now you want to see something strange. Verse five, then the devil took it. Are you telling me that this unholy beast will come twice? I don't know about you. He came to him this time. He took him up to the pinnacle of the temple. Excuse me, high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. You know what he showed him? Showed him wealth. He showed him fame. He showed him the entertainment industry. Not just for that day, through the ages, he showed him everything every human longs for. And then he said to him, "Bow down. It's all yours. I can give it who I want to." Now he is telling the truth there. (laughs) He can give it who he wants to because it was given to him to give. And how many people have bowed before him to become rich, famous, superstars, yada, yada, whatever. Watch, what, watch how Jesus handled this temptation. Do, do you believe Jesus was really tempted by this? It wouldn't have been a temptation if it wasn't a temptation. All right, watch what he says right here. Jesus said this. Verse 8. Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Let me apologize for Jesus here. I know that looks strange, him talking to the devil. Because you know what we think about those people who talk to the devil. Looks a little funny, doesn't it? You know what looks funnier than you talking to the devil? Him talking to you and you listening. We can do what Jesus did. Talk to the man. He said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Now watch these words right here. It is written. This guy's he ain't got but one technique, does he? What do you say? It is written, in other words, or we could say it like this. The Word of God says, the Bible says, it is written in God's Word. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He just reached down, took the Bible, the Word of God, the truth of God, and he spoke it. That was it. He just spoke the Word. Got a little shifting of gears here. Verse 9, then he brought him. I hate to give the evil one credit for anything, but he is persistent, isn't he? Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is is Solomon's great temple. This thing's huge. And he set him on the very top of it. Said to him, if you are the son of God, why does he keep picking on our identity in Christ? Why is it that he keeps picking? Why does he keep picking on Jesus about who he really is? I believe his greatest temptation is to pick on you about who you really are in Christ Jesus. And what happened to you at the new birth? And what happened when you became a new creation in Christ Jesus? And he's always gonna be picking on that. Uh, Are you really? Are you really? Well, Jesus answered, took him up, he put him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now watch the devil go crazy here, verse 10. For it is written, now who's quoting scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Did he quote the Bible correctly? He sure did. That's word for word. He quoted the Bible word for word. Isn't that funny that the devil knows the Bible? This is pretty pertinent right here because he said to Jesus, look, uh, won't you jump off here and impress everybody with how them angels will catch you before you hit the bottom? And Jesus said, you don't tempt God. This is a great passage. By the way, let me do a little side commercial here. This is a great passage right now for those of you who have great faith and go let people sneeze on you these days and say, well, God will take care of me. Do not tempt the Lord your God. Wash your hands, act like you got some sense. All right. Just thought I'd throw that in for free. You do not tempt the Lord your God. That's presumption. That's not faith. I love verse 13. When the devil had ended every temptation, wonderful day right there, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here's the anatomy of temptation. Here it is. Thoughts come into your mind, feelings come onto your spirit, ideas come into your mind, and you have to recognize. Uh, that ain't holy and that ain't Jesus. Number one, there's only two parts to anatomy of temptation. Number one, and Jesus responds with God's word and speaks the truth and that's it. Tell me what the score is here. What's the score? Jesus three, hell zero. He shut him out, didn't he? Why did he do this? friend? This is, this is not so we can go, Jesus is cool, although he is. This The Bible is God teaching me and you how to walk in this life. This is a revelation of how we walk in this life and how you say, well, it looks awful simple. All right. Tomorrow morning when I'm praying, I'll ask him to complicate it for you. I want it simple. I'm going to tell you something. There is power in the word of God. And we've got to learn how to use it. I got to learn how to unleash this thing. Let me, uh, let me, here, here it is. One, two, three, four. Next time you're faced with temptation. One, two, three, four. Here it is. Find God's word on the matter. You got to find God's word on the matter. If it's fear, you have got to find out what God's word says about fear. If it's lust, find out what God's word said about lust. If it's if it's to make a name for yourself, pride, find out. You got to find out what God's word says about the thing. Now, <clears throat> let me show you. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit taught me here. <clears throat> there are some things Jesus will do for us, and the Holy Spirit will do for us. Everybody, look right in the camera. Look at look at me right here. Watch watch close on your screen. There, there are some things you're gonna have to do for yourself there's some things prayer won't do. Do you remember, I always thought this was the funniest verse, Luke twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, right after Jesus finished the last supper, before they walked into the garden of Gethsemane and prayed, you remember what he told his guys? Whoever has a coat, let him sell his coat and buy himself a sword. Verse 38, Simon said, master, or one of them, I don't think Simon, Simon said, master, we have two swords here. And Jesus said, it is enough. Here's my question. <clears throat> Why did Jesus tell them to buy themselves a sword? think they might need it you said well he wanted them to buy a sword so they could protect him when he was attacked in the garden no they went in the garden and the the crowd came and attacked Jesus Simon whooped that sword out man after my own heart Simon whooped his sword out and he cut Malchus ear off and Jesus said to Simon put put your sword up those swords weren't for protecting Jesus Can I throw in something cute here how demon possessed, how Jesus said, this is the, your hour and the power of darkness right here. All right, you, you're coming to arrest Jesus because you found out he's a rogue preacher and you're in there and everybody's all upset, tension in the air. <clears throat> and there's apparently there was some kind of physical confrontation there because Simon whoops out that sword and he wasn't trying to cut Malchus' ear off. He missed. He was trying to cut his head off. Apparently he dodged, cuts the ear off. Well, all of a sudden when his ear falls to the ground, everybody gets quiet. Jesus reaches down, picks that ear up out of the dust puts it on his head and heals it there's not even a scar if i had come to get jesus i believe i'd think about jumping on a man could do something like that just saying just shows you the power of darkness that gripped them the swords weren't for them what's this by your sword stuff mean dear ones if you're going to have the word of god to help you it's going to cost you something You got to turn the TV off for a little while and you got to get up a little earlier and you got to get off to Facebook and you got to get your face in his book. There's only one way to get the word of God inside of you. It's going to cost you some time, but let me tell you what you need to do. Since the word of God is the sword of the spirit, you need to buy yourself a sword. You need to spend some time and get the word of God inside of you. It, it's your, it's your deliverance. It's your blessing. So I said, I want you to get this down inside of you. Let me, let me go this a little bit further here. There are some things that the Spirit of God will do for us, but he, there's some things He will not do for us. All right, let me go a little further here. Simon's locked in jail one day, and they're going to kill him. And he knew he was going to kill him. I think this is hilarious. He was supposed to be executed the next morning, and the Bible said an angel came in and opened the gates of the jail. And Simon was so sound asleep, the angel had to whack him. It said he smote him, which means he whacked him. I like Simon. You fixing to be executed in about seven hours and you're so sound asleep snoring, nobody can wake you up. That's a man who's got peace on him right there. So the angel whacked him and he he said to him, put your sandals on, put your coat on, come with me. Here's my question. Don't you think (laughs) the same angel that opened that prison door, don't you think he could have put his shoes on Peter for him? There's some things God, God will do for you what you can't do, but there's some things you're gonna have to do that he won't do if you can. God's not gonna memorize his word for you. He'll use it. The spirit will connect with it. But you're the one going to have to buy you a sword and pay the price and get this thing inside of you. So the Bible said, number one, we got we to do this. You with me? Number one, we've got to find God's word on the matter. Uh, you can use a, a concordance. You can get a promise book. But listen to me, dear ones, whatever you struggle with, find God's word on it. Now, the Bible says that we different ones of us struggle with different things. Not like Hebrews 12, it calls them besetting sins. There are certain sins and temptations that bother me that wouldn't bother you. Certain things come against you wouldn't bother me. Some people struggle with fear. That's not my problem. Mine's on the other side. Mine's on the other side. I use that sword too much. But the Bible teaches that we all have different things. Find God's word on it. Number two, memorize that word. You've got to memorize it because let me tell you what I've learned. My enemy watches. I'll show you that in a minute. He's not going to attack me when I'm rested and prayed up and full of the Holy Ghost to hold my Bible in my hand. You need this word inside of you. You got to memorize God's word. Number three, <clears throat> bring it out at the right time, as Jesus did. Whatever garbage is coming to your head, or coming to your heart, or coming against you at that moment, bring that word into your mind. Do what Jesus did. Just call it up. I'm gonna sure show you how to do this in a second. Just call it up at that moment. But Charles Stanley said this. Charles is so sharp. But Charles said, not even the Holy Ghost can work in a vacuum. If you don't put the Word inside of you, Holy Spirit's got nothing to grab. Let me tell you what the Word of God, let me tell you what memorizing Scripture is. It's like like putting tools in your toolbox. And I want my toolbox full so when the Holy Spirit goes and reaches for something to help me, it'll be there. But Charles Stanley said, not even the Holy Ghost can work with an empty toolbox. (laughs) Thy Word did God hide in my heart. That's not what it said. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. I had to get it down. Number three, pull it up at the time. And then number four, you meditate on that word while you're in the temptation. That's Exactly. Are you can speak it. I speak it a lot of times. All right. Here's the great mystery. Here it is. Why is it called the sword of the spirit? Because the moment you're in a crisis or you're in a battle, you're mentally in a battle, you're tempted with whatever, and you pull the word of God up in your mind and you begin to meditate on it. At that moment, the Holy Spirit will join to that word inside of you and something holy will happen right there. Let me give you an example. I believe Satan's greatest instrument is discouragement. I think that's it. I think it's the thing he uses most in our land right now. I battle with discouragement once in a while. You say, well, you don't seem discouraged. I didn't say I got beat by it. I said I battle with it. That's why I don't act like it. But on occasion, something will be going on and Satan will always tie discouragement to an event. You know, something happens in your life. Something happens in your family. Somebody does something around you and he'll tie that event and all of a sudden you'll feel discouraged over it. Or here's the biblical word, hopeless. Hopelessness is the pinnacle of hell. I mean, it's, it's Satan's masterpiece. Hopelessness will kill you. You can't have faith if you have hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for. But Satan attacks your hope so he can destroy your faith. All right. And I'll be battling discouragement a little bit. And all of a sudden I'll just, instead of saying, wonder why, or trying to figure it out. You know what I've learned to do? Somebody said the three words. It is written. May the God of, and in my mind, I'm just speaking out loud. This is in my mind. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I meditate on that, something just floods me on the inside and discouragement runs like a scalded dog. I had to get the, I memorized that scripture, by the way, you know sad. I had to pull it up at the right time. And when I meditated on it, the sword joined with the spirit and apparently somebody got cut and they were going, that's how you can do that with any scripture pertaining to what you're dealing with at the moment. It it doesn't matter. Low self-esteem, I'm just a worm. I'm just a weary, wayfarer, egg-sucking pilgrim. No, no. You are bought with a price. You just chew on you are bought with a price and you watch all that crap begin to dissipate. This is the battle. This is how it works. Find it, memorize it, pull it up and meditate on it in the battle. So that's it. That's all they did, isn't it? That's the whole deal right there. All right, let's put this in a... uh, Let's put this in a, in a practical way. A lot of people are anxious today. Anxiety is worry, whatever you call it, anxiety or worry. And uh, when you're, you just become aware that you're becoming worried about something, anxious about something. Don't go, I shouldn't worry. That's not the sword of the spirit. That's flesh. Pull this up. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, and just and listen, say it real slow in your mind. You know what meditation is? It's to chew on something slow. Say it real slow. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. First Peter five seven, casting all your cares upon Him because He cares. And you just let that. Listen, let it do it like this. Get that in your mind. Let it roll around in there like a marble in a shoebox. I mean, that's called meditation. When you just chew on that thing, you just let it just rare in there and do your thing back and forth in there. I'm going to shock you with something tonight. If you don't believe me, look it up. Isaiah 26, 3 says this You will keep him in perfect peace. Right. Whose what? Whose letters at the Baptist Church? Whose mind is stayed on thee. What if that were true? What if when you got your mind in the right place, God would cover you with perfect peace? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be Well, guess who it is taking your peace away from you? Let, let me help you with this. If the Bible said in Romans 16, that may the God of peace crush Satan under your feet, guess what the enemy is going after? He steals your peace. Listen to me. Your peace is a gift from God. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. My peace I give unto you. Don't let that sucker steal your peace that Jesus gave you. The sword of the Spirit's what it's for. You, and you, It's that simple. Just memorize two or three verses that deal with whatever you're dealing with and just let them roll around in there. Let's, let's pick another one here. How about this thing called fear today? Fear's becoming a problem with people. And uh, people say, you know, before I realized what was happening to me, I just, this thing just ran all over me. Well, don't try to get a feeling. We don't fight in the feeling realm. We fight in the faith realm. Why don't you pull this one up? God did not give us a spirit. Where's fear come from? A spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound. You know what? When I let that roll around in my mind, you know what I see? I see Brutus beating a pudding out of Popeye and I see Popeye whopping that spinach out and pow. I'm telling you, if you'll take the word of God and get it in your mind, the spirit will join it as the sword of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit will use that word in your mind to set you free from the garbage you're being tempted with. Okay. I mean, just pick anything. Let's, let's do another here. Discouragement. I'm telling you, discouragement is hell's masterpiece today. I love the scripture where it says, rejoice in the Lord when everything is hunky-dory. The word says always. Praise God. Dear ones, you say, I don't believe anybody can do that. you calling my God a liar. It didn't come as a challenge to me. It came as good news when I first heard it. You mean I don't have to suck eggs? I can rejoice always. I just matter of fact, I want to show you. Let me let me throw another one in here. In thy presence is fullness of sadness. <laughs> Psalm 1611. Wherever God is, joy's is gonna be there. Because in it doesn't say was, in thy presence is fullness of joy you're having a right. All right. Let me teach you something about God. I want you to look at this with me. Turn to Psalm 30. Since we're on this discouragement thing, I'm going to throw this in for free tonight. And you remember this scripture. And if you don't believe it, when you get along praying in the morning, ask you about it, see if he really wrote this in here. Cause this is hard for people to stomach what I'm fixing to show you. But if you don't believe it, ask him if he put this in here. I don't know if y'all like me, you'll be reading along, see something. You'll go, did you know this was in here? But I'm telling you what I'm fixing to read you is in the Bible. And it is a revelation of our great God, and when you read stuff like this, you're going to be so mad at religion, because of what they did to you. Psalm 30, the whole thing's good, but let's read verse 11. You, now he's talking to God, the Father. You have turned from me my mourning into what? Dancing. What is mourning? Sadness, heaviness. Tell me what God does for people who mourn. Well, He tells them to hang on for just a few more weary days. Is that what He tells them? He turns morning into what? Dance. Not, not mild mannered, flat out David. It's called Davidic dancing. It's where you just jump for joy. Who, you say, well, I don't think you ought to do that in church. Who does it? Who does it? God did this to me. You turned my morning into dancing. You've put off my sackcloth and clothed me with what? You know what God says? Won't you take that funeral outfit off and let's get some gladness on you, boy. Amen. Why does he do that? All right. Let's read it to the end or end result that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I'm going to holler about you forever. Tell me what God does to people. According to the Bible, he takes that funeral outfit off and he starts some dancing and hollering. There it is right there. How can you be discouraged with this? Going? This is listen, when you things are not going well, instead of meditating on things, meditate on God's word. You ought to memorize Psalm thirty verses eleven and twelve. Be good to whip out once in a while. Number four, let's do lust. When everybody thinks of temptation, they think of lust. And I'm uh, <laughs> in a preacher's meeting one day. We're at Ken Helzer's place. He used to have a pastors' conference, there. and about fifteen of us would get together. And there was an old preacher. He was in his eighties. His name was Doctor Buddy Price. I mean, buddy, was God Jr. This is a godless man I ever met. Humble, sweetest spirited, 80 something years old. We're all sitting around, and we're just we're eating breakfast, asking different questions because you know you've got that kind of knowledge you want to know. Them. A young pastor, he said, Dr. Price, he said, I'm a little ashamed to ask this, but I want to ask you something. When does a man quit struggling with lust? And I thought, you just ask him that sitting right here at this table. Dr. Price, 82 year old, said, I wish I knew, son. <laughs> I thought, ah, eighty-two years old. Here, here's the deal. But since everyone thinks that, let, let me tell you something. I don't care what it. You said that's so shameful. Why do you think to call it temptation? You need to get tomorrow morning's devotional because the engine that pulls Satan's lies is called temptation. The caboose is condemnation, and condemnation always follows temptation. Here's the deal. You said, brother Brian, give me some verses for lust. Here it is. Are you get your pen? Get ready to. Remember. <laughs> Matthew 5, 17, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's all you need right there. That's it. That's all you need right there. And the Bible, listen, God's word has got to get inside of us. Oh, let me throw in one more here. How about this anger and bitterness that's in the land right now? Anybody ever been tempted to be angry at somebody? You ever been wanting to be bitter over something that happened? Let's let's use the cushy American terms for it. Got your feelings hurt, got hurt. Let's call it what God calls it bitterness and anger and uh there's nothing wrong with being tempted if you're tempted let me make an announcement that means you're normal dr relton told me when i said he went to speak at a college or some christian college and a young man came up to him afterwards he's one of the leaders of the student group 20 21 years old and he was just so upset he said i need help he said can you help me He said what is he, he said i'm i'm dating this beautiful girl and said she's so nice and so kind and said I have a, it's terrible, Dr. Rutland. It's just, I'm such an evil man. He said, I'm thinking to myself, what did this boy do to that poor girl? He said, said, what's wrong, son? He said, when we hug and kiss, I get a little worked up. (laughs) He said, I'm so ashamed. Dr. Rutland said, son, that just means you work. He said, that that means you're normal. Everything's just fine, son. He said, memorize this verse and hold it. It is not a sin to be tempted. Where do we get this stuff from? I got a feeling. Blessed is the man who, somebody say the word, endures temptation. If it wasn't hard, why would he say endures? All right. But again, again, the answer is God's word. Let me tell you something. Anger and bitterness. Ephesians 4.32. Be you kind to one another. Tender hearted forgiving one another and don't forget this part even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you let's go on into the next chapter and walk in love toward one another be ye children of God I tell you what: if you want to memorize a good one for when you're tempted to be better second Corinthians chapter 2 says this whom you forgive I forgive lest Satan take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of how he operates in our lives there's a good one to meditate on right there and you get this in your mind and you do this and begin to hang on to it <clears throat> and blessed with it. This is how we live in his domain. All righty, <clears throat> I got to go up a notch with you here. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got the spirit of mucus here. All right, <clears throat> let's go to sword fighting 102. We got a little bit of time left. Go back in the Luke chapter four and let me show you something. I want to show you how crafty a being we are dealing with here. Boy, you talk about slick. But let me tell you something. Greater is he that's in me than slick that's in the world. Let's go through the temptations. He came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Jesus said, it is written. And he quoted God's word. He used the word of God against him. Second time he said, I'll give you everything there is in the world. Jesus said, it is written. All right, Satan shifts gears and he said, okay, you want to play the it is written game? Let Let me do my it is written. So Satan quotes the Bible to tempt Jesus with the Bible that'll happen to you too. Let me rescue you from it. Look at me in Luke chapter 4 verse 10. It is written. He quoted verse 12. Jesus answered and said to him, it is written. It's not what he said. It is spoken. Uh, Your Bible might say it has been said or it is said. It's it's not the Greek word it's a Rana. It should read like this. It is being spoken. See, the enemy's using the Bible to try to lead Jesus into sin. At that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke up and said, here's the verse you need right now. And he spoke to his heart and he said, it is being spoken. And what did he speak to him? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Wasn't that something? How the enemy will take the Bible and try to lead you into destruction with it. Here's my point, dear ones. Not enough to know the Bible. You've got to know the Holy Spirit too. And the Holy Spirit at the right time will pull this word up and say, wrong verse right there right verse right here. This is a great problem in our land today where Satan is using the Bible through people to destroy other people. And he used that, but, but listen, Jesus hears the spirit of God in that moment. The first two times Jesus just went in his memory and pulled out the Bible and said, well, this applies right here. But all of a sudden Jesus is in a place where the Holy Spirit ministered to him and said, no, no, right now, here's the verse we want for right now. And uh, let me tell you something. I love, I cling, I hang to this promise right here. Take no thought for what you shall say in that moment. For that moment, what you shall say will be given to you because it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. You can trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you at the right moment. If you'll humble yourself, he'll do it at the right moment, help you there. And uh, in this particular situation, he did that. I'm gonna say it again. The Bible's not enough. That'll go over well with some folks. You have to have The spirit. Satan will use the Bible to steal, kill, and destroy. You'll see a picture of it. We won't look at it. Let me just quote it to you. John chapter 8, the Bible said that the ministers brought a woman caught in adultery. You remember the woman caught in adultery? They brought her to her. What did they say? It is written. And they quoted the Bible and they said, The law of Moses, it is written, said such a one should be stoned. What do you say? Were they being used of the Holy Spirit to use the word to give life? They were using the letter of the law to kill somebody. Let me make an announcement. Jesus Christ is not a letter of the law guy. He is a spirit of the law guy. You've got letter people and you've got spirit people. And Jesus said, now let me ask you a question. Were they right? Did not the Bible say you can kill, kill people? I mean, the Bible said it. A woman caught in adultery, a man caught in adultery. I don't know where the man was. It's just real hard to commit adultery by yourself. Last time I checked. So they bring the woman up there and that the Bible said they should be stoned. So they're ready to kill her. Guess who's using these preachers to kill somebody with the Bible? It's not Jesus. Same voice you heard in Luke chapter four, speaking to Jesus. Jesus intervened and Jesus protected the woman. Let me me tell you something. Jesus Christ doesn't use the word to hurt people. He uses the word to give life. He uses the word to help people. And dear ones, our, our goal, the Pharisees are letter of the law people. Jesus is a spirit people. I want to show you something. Just remember this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I've been caught, I got caught in this when I was a young preacher. Because I had older preachers that were gifted at using the letter to beat people up. Friend, if you go to church like you've been beat up, that wasn't Jesus. I don't care if they quoted Bible verses the whole time. Second Corinthians 3, we've got to learn to make this distinction. Second Corinthians three, five says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves. Dear ones, our sufficiency is from God. Now watch verse six, who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. It's not talking about preachers, it's talking about you. Dear ones, every believer has been made sufficient as a minister of the new covenant. You are fully able to take the good news of God and help people with it. I mean, you're sufficient. He's made you that. We got to get off this minister. I don't know what a layman is thing. But well, watch this. Ministers the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. You'd take the Bible and kill people with it. And that's what a Pharisee spirit does. A religious spirit wants to beat people up because they made mistakes. And, and we don't do it with the letter. What does the spirit do? The spirit takes the Bible and gives life to people. Now, this, even if somebody takes the word of God and corrects me, I sense hope. I sense life. I sense Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. Praise God. But when something's beating you up, and and listen to me, even the Bible's beating you up in your mind, it ain't Jesus. Who's wearing your head out with the Bible there? And this is so simple. Get that little card we give, orange on one side, black on the other. And if what you're hearing is not love, hope, peace, encouragement, joy, grace, mercy, that ain't Jesus. I don't care if you're hearing Bible verses by the bucket loads. That ain't Jesus. You need to remember Man, I got the not snot too. You need to remember the greetings in all of the epistles of Paul. It starts like this. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. If God speaks to you and he puts thoughts in your mind, there's going to be grace, there's going to be mercy and it's going to bring peace. You've got to learn to identify who is talking to your head. I'm telling you, we're in a battle, and it's a mental battle. And this garbage goes on constantly with us like that, and we need to make sure that we <laughs> we do that. Let me give you a couple of helps. Turn back me to Luke four. A couple of helps before we quit here. There's two things you need to see here. All right, Luke chapter four. Um, I'm gonna point this out to you. This is a great verse to help us with. Luke chapter four, after the temptation, verse thirteen. The devil ended every temptation. He departed from Jesus. Watch these words until an opportune time. That tells me in the scripture right there, God's helping me. He's telling me, son, when you're standing in church and you're worshiping God and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and life's going great, the enemy will sort of back off right then. When you're tired and somebody's done something to you, and especially late at night when the lights are out and you're sick and you just got bad financial news, show you how cruel he is, that's when he jumps in there because he's always watching. What's he watching for? I don't think this would be a good time to jump them right now. Ooh, that's a good time to get on them right there. I've watched the cruelty of our enemy. Great Christians will lose a loved one. A child will get killed. Guess who piles in on their heads right then? You know why? That's an opportune time. So here, here's my message to you. You need to recognize this, this would be an opportune time right here. I need to be careful. That's why before I go to bed, and the last thing I do before I go to sleep, well, I can't tell you the last thing I do. Before I go to bed at night, I'm going to have some kind of holy, good news, God's word in my mind as I lay down. The the last thing you meditate on at night needs to be good news. I keep it on my little nightstand right there. Mama thinks it looks like the Graham Library. I keep it right here. I want the last thing in my mind for I lose consciences to be the good news of God's word because when you're asleep and late at night is a good time for the enemy to try to pile in there. Watch out. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like going through Vietnam. You say, be, that's got a good place for ambush right over there. We got to learn to recognize these ambush places and he'll depart till an opportune time. Here's the second thing I want to help you with. <clears throat> Look at me in Luke chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit you notice Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit before this garbage started? He said, well, Brother Brian, if I knew when he was going to attack me, I'd get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you better get that way every morning because this is daily life right here. One of the greatest defenses you have against your enemies is to be full of Jesus. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't Listen, we have God to get under the spout where the glory comes out and live filled with his Holy Spirit. Learn how to do that. Practice how to do it and do it. I don't want to quit by giving you something cool here. Are you ready? To be successful in life and have a great life, you have to have three attitudes. And you've got to know when to whip, whoop them out. You have to have three attitudes according to the Bible. Number one, humility. Number two, tenderheartedness. Number three, redneck. I'm going to show it to you. You've got to have those three attitudes. If you only have two of them, you're going to get pinched. You have to have those three attitudes. And you've got to know when to whoop them out. You've got to know which attitude to wear in front of which person. All right, listen to this. What attitude do I want before the Father of lights? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you. God rejects proud people, but He shows kindness to the humble. I want an attitude of humility before God. I need to be humble before God. How about before people? Be ye kind to one another, tender hearted. I want to be tender hearted before people. I want to be I want to empathize with people and sympathize with people. I want to think about where they've come from. I want to get off my hard self and be tender hearted toward people. But there's another player in life's game, Edner. You better not be tender hearted toward him. You need to be redneck toward your adversary. You say, Brother Brian, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. First Peter 5 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. You know what a vigilante is? You ever watched a Clint Eastwood movie? Clint Eastwood is a vigilante. You know, a vigilante is somebody who picks up their gun and goes and makes things right for justice. That's another word for redneck. If the Bible had been written today, it'd be redneck. Gentle people get so assailed by the enemy, but then they're live with sometimes. Listen to me. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. You're going, you're going to suffer violence if you're on this planet, but the violent take it by force. The redneck straighten it out. I just throw that in for free. Now, let me illustrate this. I want to walk humbly before God because he's great. Good to me. I want to be tenderhearted toward you, but I'm not going to be tenderhearted toward my enemy. I'm going to be redneck toward him. Vigilant. Vigilant means redneck. Me and mama sitting in the house at night, just having a big time. And I look out and I happen to catch a hood or a hooligan or a gangbanger peering in the window. I'm not going to invite him in for cookies. I'm not going to be tenderhearted. I'm going to slip out the other end of the house, the three of us, me, Smith, and Wesson, and we're going to come around the back side right there and I'm going to walk up behind him and I'm going to put my old 45 in his ear and I'm going to say, what are you doing here? And how quick can you get out of here? That's redneck. I can't believe you're saying that in church. What do you think it means? Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion looking to destroy somebody. Do you doubt that the enemy is destroying things in our land right now? Do you doubt he doesn't want to destroy your marriage, which is precious? Your health, your family, your future, your, life, your relationship with God? You better keep your pistol on, what you better You better sell, sell your coat and buy your sword, what you need to do. There's a reason he said that. And there, here, here's the problem here's the problem. You've got to know which attitude to whoop out at which time. I got too many believers being redneck toward people and tenderhearted toward the devil. That ain't right. Whoop. Tenderhearted toward people humble before God, and you need to redneck up on your enemy. I just heard somebody say, I don't mess with him. That's him right there. You have more authority over the forces of hell if you're right with God in this word than you do over a three-year-old child. Quit being scared of what Jesus crushed at the cross. Let me quit by giving you a couple verses here. I think this will bless you right here. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. I want to emphasize again, there is no substitute for getting God's Word inside of you. You can do anything you want to do, but you'll never walk freely to get this Word inside of you. We've gotten away from Scripture and God's Word in the American church in the last 20 to 30 years. We've got to get back to it. 1 John chapter 2. I love this verse. I memorized this one when I was just a young man. 1 John 2.14, I've written to you fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you were strong and the word of God is under your arm. You're supposed to catch me when I screw up. The word of God abides in you. Watch this. And you have overcome the wicked one. Can you see clearly that we should be able to handle the enemy? But why is it? Why are we strong and why do we overcome the evil one? What does it say right there? You got the Word of God inside of you. Then we've got to get back to this Word. Got to get back in our hearts. Can I show you one more? Can I mess up what your preacher told you years ago? Bet you a dollar your preacher would be mad about this. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. And uh, listen, don't, don't send me an ugly note. And whatever you do, don't let your preacher call me. You just go, tomorrow when you go pray, ask God if I'm telling the truth, if He's telling the truth here. You've heard this verse many times, you've heard it quoted wrong just about every time. Revelation chapter 12, this is where it talks about the enemy working in the latter days. Let me tell you something that says in this passage right here. The evil one has come down to the earth having great wrath. Satan is enraged knowing he hath but a short time left. I like that verse right there. He don't have long, but he's going to raise all the hell he can before the final showdown at the O.K. Corral. So that's where we're at right now. Now watch this verse. Now, dear ones, let's believe God's word here. Verse 11, Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him. That's good news. You ever heard of an overcomer? Who'd they overcome? Well, you read the verse above, and it's talking about the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before God. How often? Day and night. Don't let him get in your head day and night and accuse you before your God. And they overcame him. And how'd they overcome him? Watch this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. You didn't have anything to do with that. Jesus did that. You just have to believe in it. The word of their testimony. Don't say it. I got saved in 1975. That is not the word of your testimony. That's the day you got saved. The word of your testimony is the word of God in your mouth. If it were written correctly, it would read the word which you testify. What did Jesus do when the enemy came against him? He testified to God's word out of his mouth. You overcome the enemy by getting saved, letting Jesus cover you with his blood. And then you speak that word. This word is the word you speak. It's the word of your testimony, just like Jesus did. And then I love this one where it says, number three, they love not their lives unto the death. The day you decide that Jesus is so good that you have no fear of anything, not even dying anymore. You just took the club out of his hand and ain't a thing he can do anymore. Matter of fact, truth of the matter is, best day of my life gonna be the day I see Jesus. What you gonna do now, sucker? I mean, it's because you're so old. Young people can be free too. (laughs) Glory to God. Can you see clearly from Scripture that we should not be be being beat to death by a defeated foe that was crushed at the cross? But if you don't take up that sword and you don't get the word inside of you and you don't get it in your mouth, guess what? Here's an illustration of it. Uh, 1983, the Marines were in Beirut, Lebanon. And a suicide bomber drove a truck, a a demon-possessed, crazy Muslim jihad, drove a truckload of explosives into that barracks and killed 220 Marines. Worst individual bombing we've ever had in the Marine Corps. That was 1983 when we were there as peacekeepers during the Lebanese Civil War there. And uh, Ronald Reagan was president. He commissioned a task force to find out what went wrong. And uh, that's when they began to institute some things. That's when they began to put these concrete barricades around buildings so trucks couldn't drive in there. But here's what they concluded. Their report said this, bottom line. If a man is willing to die, there's not much way to stop him. A man that will die for what he believes in, there's just not much way to stop him. How do we overcome the evil one? A man that is willing to die for what he believes in. Good luck, dude. They overcame him because the blood of Jesus had washed their sins away. They decided that Jesus is worth it all and they had the word of God inside of them and they knew how to speak it when the time came. I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. Well, I'm out of stuff to say, so I guess it's time for me to quit. But <laughs> please listen, I don't. you don't need to memorize the Bible so I'll feel like I'm successful. You need to memorize the Bible so you don't get knots all over your head. We've got to get back to scripture in this land. I'm a, I will, can I say one more thing? Okay, good. All right. My dear friend, J.L. Williams, who started the New Directions back in the 60s, that the, they, they were just groundbreaking pioneers in interracial ministry in our nation. Just wonderful guys. And J.L. Uh, discipled these young people, took them all across the nation, singing and teaching. And God just blessed that ministry so great. But J.L. had one requirement. Before you could get on the bus before you could even join that group, you had to memorize 50 scriptures. I think it was 50, might've been hundred. I do remember it was at least 50. And once you got on that bus, you had about two more weeks to memorize the whole hundred. And he had a hundred scriptures picked out that served every need of every person. And you said, man, that's crazy. That was discipleship back just a few years ago. We centered our lives around the word of God and got it inside of us. And thy word have I hid in my heart got it in there. We got to get back to the word. When I first got saved, you know what us boys, a bunch of us gangsters got saved together. You know, what we did. We sat around a campfire at night and challenged each other to quote scriptures. And we'd sit there and we'd quote scripture and just quote scripture and say, do you remember this one? And then you, if you forgot it, oh, you was in bad news because we weren't real material yet. And we'd learn scripture and we taught each other how to memorize scripture. I thank God that I've always had a bent toward scripture. I had no idea what was happening. Can I tell you one more thing? All right. God can be doing things in your life and you not even know why. I used to just be on my heart all the time. Stay in the Word, son. Stay in the Word. Memorize Scripture. Memorize Scripture. And I just memorized portion after portion after portion. And I remember thinking, why do I have to do this? Now, I remember I'm just a young man. Wasn't much going on. I wasn't preaching. Why do I have to do this? Why does he want me memorizing so much Scripture? Today, I know... I didn't know this was coming, but he did. And he spoke to me one day. Now, you may not believe this, but I'm telling you the truth, Ruth. He spoke to me one day and he said, Son, he said, You wonder why I had you memorizing so much scripture 30 years ago? Why did you spend so much time in the Word? He said, Do you remember in the movie The Karate Kid? You said, I don't believe that. God didn't watch that movie. Yes, he did. He said, Do you remember the movie The Karate Kid? And I said, Yes, sir. He said, Do you remember when that little boy wanted to whoop his enemy? And he wanted to learn karate from the master. I forget the master's name. And he went to him and asked him, will you teach me how to whoop my enemy? He said, you remember? I said, yes, sir. I said, I identify with that boy. And he said, uh, remember what he had him do? I said, he made him wax his car. Does anybody remember that? He told him, said, go wax my car. And he, he's, he's waxing the car. And the old man came and said, no, no, no. Don't wax it like that. Wax it like this, because he's just doing like that. He said, no, wax it in circle. Wax it in circle. Wax it in circle. And he got mad. He think, this old man's taking advantage of me. I'm going to learn how to whip my enemy. He's making me wax his car. And he won't even let me wax it like I want to. I got to wax it a certain way. And he got ill about it. And uh, after a while, he just went and said, I ain't going to do it no more. And he said, you're taking advantage of me, making me wax your car. And the old man started to punch him. And without even thinking reflectively, he blocked it. And he realized... That old man was teaching me exactly what I needed. He was giving me exactly what I needed for what's coming down the road. Of course, if you know the rest of the movie, he went on and became a great whooper. Whooper and all this. He whooped everybody. <laughs> I used to wonder when I was young, why do I have to stand the scriptures so much? Now I know. Now I know. Son, listen, let me tell you what I've learned about this. Listen, nowadays when I go through life, I'm pretty fast now. I don't do quick draw. I just, thy word have I got out there. We have got to get back to the word in this land so we can live free. Sword fighting 101. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. Life is so much fun when we win. Your word said, fight the good fight of faith. Lord Jesus, I've been in a lot of fights in my life. When I was younger, I fought all the time. A good fight was when I won. A bad fight fight's when I lost. I praise you and thank you. You said, fight the good fight of faith, which is the word of God. I pray for everybody listening tonight, everybody out there, everybody here. Thank you that you have given us the sword that the Spirit will connect to if we will learn it, memorize it, and when the battle comes, pull that thing out into our minds. I want to praise you and thank you for your goodness. You have given us everything we need to be blessed and live victorious and dance and celebrate and have the most wonderful life in Christ Jesus. But There's some things we've got to do for ourselves to lay hold of what you blessed us with. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for every person tuning in with us tonight. I bless them in the strong name of Jesus with health and hope and peace and grace and mercy and goodness. In the precious name of Jesus I pray, amen.